Welcome to the Antioch Initiative Podcast, a podcast focused on the unreached of the world and topics related to seeing the unreached discipled in Christ's kingdom. In this episode, a missionary named Dustin shares powerful stories about how God is moving amongst new believers. You're listening to the Antioch Initiative Podcast. We've got Dustin here who is a worker and he's been on the field for a long time. I was with Dustin a few years ago and so it's just a privilege to, to see you here today. Thanks for being with us. But uh, just wanted to, to talk with you. How long have you been on the field? Well, together, my wife and I, we first landed in 2004 in Central Asia. And yeah, we've basically been out there since then. I think we did a year, two years back in the States from 2004 to 2020. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. So most of your time over the last couple decades has been overseas. Yes. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And you've got a full family. Yeah. So uh, four daughters and uh, all my girls raised overseas in Muslim villages. Uh, my youngest daughter, she had been in the States more than three months of her life. So. Wow. Wow. Well, obviously you don't know anything different, but I'm sure there's been a lot of pros and, and a lot of difficulties too, huh? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's challenges wherever you live. Um, and we've made the most just of, you know, just the context of our family, just being loving and caring. And most of the time when their kids are young, you know, we're their world. So, you know, best father I can be, uh, best example of, you know, what a loving husband looks like. And yeah, so most, most of it's been really good. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. So if you could share just a little bit of context with us and what kind of culture do you work without, you know, sharing what you can't, um, what kind of culture do you work in? Well, yeah. So predominantly like we work with Muslims, uh, Islamic, you know, country, 99.9% Islamic. And, uh, yeah. So that goes with, you know, the differences of America being based on like innocence and guilt uh, or over there, it's shame and honor, which um, it, it, shame and honor can give a little bit more leeway when it comes to being naughty or uh, lying or, you know, just uh, not being absolutely truthful about things when it comes to what's most honorable to the most honorable person in the home, maybe the, the grandfather or the father. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For so, sure. I mean, just another example, like there's like, <laughs> there's no petty crime mm-hmm. in the city of like 20 million people that I live. Right. Yeah. So like there's not a, lot, a whole lot of purse snatching or, you know, uh, car stairs getting stolen. I mean, those things do exist, but by and large, not on any scale that would compare to like a big city in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it looks like if there was that type of crime and you got a criminal and the police catch him and, you know, maybe they snatch the purse or whatever, they're going to be like, who's your father? Like what village, where are you from? Like who raised you that you would be a criminal? Right. And so wow. then it wouldn't even matter that, you know, he broke the law. I'd be like, the father that raised this kid into, you know, a criminal and that the father would be shamed and the village would be shamed. Yeah. Wow. So you work in a, in a context with less than what? 10,000 known believers. That's right. Yeah. That's a Yeah. City of, or country of 80 million and less than 10,000 believers. Do you, I mean, I'm sure you have to battle with, um, taking that all on yourself and, and feeling this pressure. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, <laughs> You know, we, 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 we have the great hope and uh, Absolutely. God's revealing himself in powerful ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, of course we have a perspective of, you know, right now kind of culture, but, um, mm. yeah. So yeah, we, 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 we consider every victory a celebration, you know, little and the big ones. But, wow. Uh, 
So you, you're pretty good at keeping that pressure off of yourself yeah, yeah. and, and actually, trusting God you with You know it. what? I, you know, the saying we stand on the, the shoulders of giants, people before us, I mean, they saw such fewer fruit than what we've seen now. So we've actually yeah. had exponential growth to what they saw in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. Right now, it's amazing what God is doing. Wow. If you could just share a little bit um, in, into what you're just saying there with what God is doing, what sticks out to you when you say that? Yeah. So, like, for instance, um, we met a man last year um, and we had an internet ministry where we're just kind of trying to find people who are God fearing, uh, people that are interested to read the Bible for the first time. And so we just kind of run ads on Instagram or Facebook and, um, you know, even a Google search, you know, we, we, we purchase on the search engine so that, you know, our website comes up and say, hey, we'll give you a Bible. Just, you know, name and address gives your, you know, information. And so we sent a Bible out to this guy. Uh, he's older than me. Um, and when he got the Bible, he was so excited. Um, I chatted with him a bit and wanted to meet. So, you know, we, we set up a time. Um, you know, going into this, there's always kind of a risk, like, you know, it could be a setup. And we've been set up before, and they're just um, Quran students that are, you know, wanting like, to be a Christian to argue with them and convert us. You know? Wow. Uh, those can be fun, though. You yeah. Know, like, uh, not a bad setup. Yeah. You know, you can, you're not going to argue somebody into something because they can be argued out of it, right? So, right. Uh, beyond that, you know. It's a good point. Yeah. So then. We, we meet up and, uh, you know, one of the first things he says is I, I've waited 20 years to meet a Christian. Um, wow. and that speaks volumes because, you know, for 20 years, we, what have, what have we, what have we been doing? You know, and this guy's, he found out that he had roots, uh, in the, the, the Pontic Greek people. He found out his grandma was Pontic Greek was a Christian. And so he said to me that he never gave his whole heart to Islam, knowing that his grandma was a Christian. And so then he, he wanted to meet a Christian and he had that longing in his heart for 20 years. Um, and he was kind of actively looking for a Christian. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, but you know, he lived in a city of a million people and you know, a little known, known believers. Right. Um, so that was like easy pickings, right. Mm -hmm. You know, so he just kind of walked into that conversation, shared the, the truth, shared, you know, who Christ was. And I think we were meeting all of his expectations because, uh, Christ is all of that, right? He is uh, the Prince of Peace, and right. you know He's the King of Kings, and so good. Uh, He walks on water, He calms the storm. So, I mean, He ate it all up, and He wanted to He wanted to believe before you know He had the information, you know, the truth. Wow. So, um, so yeah, He was just um, He just jumped right in. So He was a believer, and uh, His discipleship looked uh, genuine from the beginning. Um, you know, he's, He was an older gentleman, a man of honor, <laughs> um, just carried himself well. Carried you know His His, his words had weight to it. Um, he's an accomplished man, educated man, uh, a family man of two kids, grandkids. Um, so that, that was exciting. That was really exciting. So he, we plugged him into our fellowship and, um, people loved him. He's very gentle, um, already just, um, willing to, you know, just, just to, to grow. And, uh, and he was willing to leave his culture behind and just, it was just like a puzzle piece for him and, and it just clicked. Mm. So, wow. How long ago was that? So this was a little over a year ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. So, so yeah, this, so then this, this past spring, uh, you know, we were, we were locked down with uh, COVID restrictions right? and um, the way it worked is like, I mean, we couldn't even cross County lines. I mean, even our, we were locked in our houses at times. So you guys weren't really meeting as a church. No. Yeah. Just, it, it, uh, yeah, the police weren't allowing it. So everything was shut down. <laughs> um, so we, you know, we were just generally some, 
meeting on Zooms, you know, those things you know, took a while, but you know, it, it gathered momentum, and so we meet on Zoom. But um, he was actually working odd hours, so he wasn't meeting a lot on Zoom. But anyway, so I, I, I gave him a phone call, and uh, his son answered the phone, and uh, we, we got talking, and I was kind of curious, you know, what's going on with your dad? How come you know you don't? He's not has his own phone, and and uh, so then he explained to me. He says, "Well, listen, you know, some things have happened that I'm trying to understand because." Um, you know, this past winter, uh, my grandfather died. And so then my father became, became the head of our entire family. So he's the oldest brother. And um, so he, his beliefs changed. So, you know, we, we know he became a Christian. And when he became a Christian and then he became the head of our family, um, across from our family, we have had enemies. And our enemies and, and our family, we have done evil uh, against each other. And so, I mean, of course, this, this is being spoken in another language. And, and so, but when he said there had been evil done between both of our families, that means there had been killings uh, wow. that had, you know, their family killed their family. Once his grandfather had yes. come to Christ. Is that well, no, no. So his, his grandfather, grandfather is, a, is a Muslim. You know, his oh. father had been a Muslim. His brothers uh-huh. were Muslim. There's no Christians in his family. And then right. their enemies are all Muslims. Okay. And they, they have this, this enmity amongst each other. And so they're sworn enemies. Mm. Okay. So, but when his father became the head of the family after mm. his grandfather died, he took it upon himself to go and ask for forgiveness for all the evils that had been done for generations between their families. In order to do this, he had to get on his knees and beg for forgiveness. Okay, so the son is like confused at why he would do this other than we know these are now his new beliefs. But this brought a shame on their entire family because they did evil against them, right? There's there's no forgiving when when there's, you know, innocent bloodshed or, you know, there's killings and this type of like... So then his brother, his uncle, mm-hmm. the son's bro- uncle found out that his his older brother asked for forgiveness and shot him four times in the chest. Mm. So the son says to me, my father... Because of the pain that was in his Because brother. of the shame. Like, yeah. there are enemies. Yeah. There's no forgiving our enemies. Mm. Like, that concept doesn't exist in our belief system. That doesn't exist in our family. But Ericon made this decision. And so he's asking me, why would... Why would my my father make these decisions? And so I'm theologically helping him understand the characteristics of Christ is that Christ commands us to forgive our enemies. Mm-hmm. And so in in a believer in Christ, as a as as your 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 dad is now a follower of Christ, he made that decision that he's no longer going to have this enmity as the head of the family. He didn't, you know shame his father by doing this, but after his father died, he took the initiative as the head of the household, head of the family. Um, I'm going to ask for forgiveness and mm. I'm going to bring peace between us and our enemies. Wow. Um, so the son is having a hard time understanding this. Now his father is in a coma in the hospital, in the ICU, and he was told that he has 48 hours to live. So in the next 48 hours, they're going to decide, or they're It'll be determined whether or not he will survive this live or die. Hmm. During that time, he's asking a lot of questions. Um, I'm asking a lot of questions too, because if he's to die, I need to go and show my concerns, my care, my condolences to the family. Um, I'm going to let this man in the Lord. I'm going to baptize him. I'm discipling him. And I'm an important figure in his life, and hmm. I want to be there at his funeral. So I look at my wife, and I'm like, we have... 
you know, 48 hours, you know, I gather the believers. Uh, we all, you know, I just say, hey, let's pray. And, and the local believers say, we're going to be fasting. And that was like, that was the response, which was beautiful. Wow. Um, my wife and I, we, you know, we've been going to discuss, like, what does it look like if I go to this funeral? Um, I mean, if the brother was willing to, to, to shoot his own brother, mm-hmm. you know, of course, you know, I, I'm just going to assume that he, he would shoot the man who, you know, brought Christianity, you know, to, to this family. Right. Um, so my wife and I, we prayed, um, and this, these type of prayers were surrendering, like, you know, how, what am I willing to give up? Like, and, and, you know, my wife, you know, she had peace, I had peace. And, and, you know, I initially we thought, you know, I'll go to the funeral and I talked to my kids and I said, look, this is the situation I, I need to go to this, you know, to this funeral. And, and, but there's a risk involved, you know, and, you know, daddy's going to go and, um, mm-hmm. There was a man there that shot another man, and he could be upset because I, I led this man to the Lord. I baptized him. I was wow. discipling him. And, and, uh, we, and just to stop you for yeah. a second, I mean, that's that's huge. I, I, I think about counting the cost yeah. when when you're going to potentially be at this place that's a, a risk to, to your life and, and your family has seen you do that. What was that decision like? Uh, you know, it's just, it's just difficult. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're... I mean, we're, we're in a process of, of grieving, um, you know, we don't have all the answers and but we're also just trusting God, you know, and right. I, I know that some of these things I would, local believers would go with me and, and it's, it would be their reaction to go and, and pay respects at, at the, the funeral. And if I don't go, then I'm just leading the example of Christ in fear, which Fear and Christ don't mix, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, yeah. So uh, there were some sleepless nights, though. That you know, there was two nights in the forty-eight hours, and and even God was dealing with dealing with me with the level of obedience that the brother took in asking for forgiveness from these enemies, you know. And and I I I had I've had some fights with my sister, right? You know, and right. uh, I think. I think we can fight with our sister pretty good, you know, or your brother. You know, oh, I have, I have sisters, yeah. Right, you know, and, and, and you can say some things that you, you wish you didn't say. And, you know, you, I mean, you can get pretty nasty because you can kind of take your, your sibling for granted, you know. Mm-hmm. So you just, oh, so you, can, you can like air it out, right? Yeah. Um, and the idea that if my sister was to kill me and, and make my wife a widower or, you know, take the father away from my daughters, um, how angry I would be, you know, like just the idea that she would take my life, like, mm-hmm. and then even at the depths of that, how, how would I forgive her of that? You know? Um, wow. So, so you're just trying to put yourself right in their shoes. Yeah. So I talked to the son again and he says the, the police are wanting a statement because the, the brother is being held in prison and like just, you know, dovetailing off of that. The son asked me, how, how do I explain? Because I know if my father forgave his enemies, I know in his beliefs he would forgive his brother who shot him. And uh, I mean, it's just a level of forgiveness that I had never dealt with. I never really experienced it in my life. And uh, I was just being really moved by God, you know, and just, mm-hmm. you know, I was very challenged. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I, this is a, a level of love that I was experiencing. Um, someone who I, <laughs> I'm discipling, but I'm just, completely challenged by yeah and that's the beauty of just him obeying that command of uh forgiving your enemies so you know explaining this to his son yeah you know you're right 
and it was his suggestion that, you know, I, I believe my, my father, if he would forgive his enemies, he's going to forgive my uncle. And I says, you're right. So after the 48 hours rolled by, um, the son calls me and he says, look, I just got out of the ICU. Um, I, w- I went in with the police and the doctor and my father has awoken from his coma. <laughs> And uh, they quickly begin to press him uh, mm-hmm. to make a statement on whether or not uh, you know, they would press charges to him. He's being held in the prison. And, and so he said, my father said, um, you know, I do not want to press charges. You know, my, my brother, you know, he, he, he shot me, right? And, and so I forgive him. And then the doctor says, no, no, you don't understand. He shot you four times. He tried to kill you. And he argued with the doctor. And the doctor says, he's not psychologically capable. He says, no, I am. I understand what I'm saying. Um, I know that my Jesus died for me and he rose again. I died and now I've risen again. What else can my brother do to me? Of course I forgive him. Wow. And uh, I mean, the cops... The nurses, the doctors, they could say nothing. Yeah. Um, and then the miracle of all of it, the power of God came to him in that coma. And two weeks later, he went back to work. I mean, I went and saw him and visited him. And like, I even like, you know, I was trying to like Let's get go. involved and like, you know, can I help you? And, and his boss is like, he's, you know, better worker than he was before. I mean, and, you know, he said he had some problem, you know, walking at first. But man, he, he like, I don't even need physical therapy. He's back. I mean, power of God. I don't even, you know, this is it's amazing. Yeah. So. Um, he's an example to us. He's an example to the body of Christ. Yes. And, and, and you know, these are the these are the, the foundations of what revivals come from, and these are the things that we're tasting. And wow. you know, and, and yeah, we're just seeing how good and great our God is. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah. What an amazing story. I just can't even uh, fathom that level of forgiveness. Right. It takes. Wow. So. I heard of another story that you were, you mentioned of you were speaking in tongues yeah. after a, yeah. a church service. Can yeah. you tell us about yeah. that? Yeah, so this was this was overseas, and I I, uh, I don't know. I wasn't involved with the decision making of this, but someone invited like a like a folk, and it was actually it just really felt animistic in this like these cultural dances that were being done at the church. And uh, during the whole time of the dances, I just felt so uncomfortable. I, I just didn't, didn't seat well with me. Um, so once the kind of the presentation was done and, and like things kind of cleared out, I kind of just hung out. And the, the way the, the venue was set up, there was kind of like this, this divider uh, that was kind of it separated two halves of, uh, you know, the seating. And so I just kind of not, stayed on one side and, and you know, I, I prayed for a while, but then I just, you know, I just started praying in tongues. And, uh, and I think God was just really moving through me and I just kind of got lost in like just praying in the spirit and just feeling like, you know, some work needed to get done because of this, you know, these animistic dances or whatever. So praying in tongues and, and then I start moving around and I go to the other side of like the auditorium and, and uh, you know, a friend that, you know, I, I didn't know him too well, but he was a friend of mine. He was sitting over there and he like looks at me and I, I mean, he just like really shocked me. I kind of got scared. Like I was kind of lost in my own world. I was like, Whoa. I was like, Hey, uh, how's it going? He's like, good. I'm like, uh, sorry, man. I, I didn't know you were here. I, I was praying in tongues. I feel kind of embarrassed. Like, you know, what's going on? He's like, yeah, I heard you praying and I understood everything you were saying. And I was like, what? Like, well, tell me, what was I saying? He says, you were casting out specific names of demons. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. Wow. And I'm like, have you ever experienced it? He's like, I've never experienced anything. I says, he says, I knew you were, you were like praying in tongues, but I just, 
understood everything that was happening. And uh, so we kind of talked about it a little bit. And I says, you know, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? He says, no, I've never had. He says, you know, let's just pray right now. And I prayed. And he was totally filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. And it was just like this moment. And, and I mean, from that moment, he was kind of a, you know, a, a friend. But I mean, we, he was in my wedding. So we became best really? friends after that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. What a story. Yeah. Wow. So... Do you guys deal with a lot of spiritual warfare that you see? Like you have to literally uh, cast out demons and things like that or? Uh, yeah, you know, it's actually just, we make it a normal uh, part of our discipleship. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, we actually, um, what's it? Neil Anderson's uh, Bondage Breaker. Yeah, that's, a, that's um, a great book. Yeah, so we have that all translated in the, you know, the language we, we, we operate in. And we, we just walk through just do like a good thorough cleansing of the spirit renouncing yeah, things right, right. with just people go through them and, you know and it's just the you know the enemy you know he's got the same tricks uh, you know that he's been doing for years and even in Muslim cultures you know he has them doing like yeah just I mean they even have tarot cards and you know they do all kinds he's not of creative stuff. yeah no he's not it's the same stuff so nothing new under the sun but huh. yeah so we, we do that we've I had a friend uh, actually this is uh, my wife she was discipling a lady and um she said, hey, you know, uh, she'd uh, given her life to the Lord. Um, I mean, I could tell that salvation story was, was yeah, quite miraculous. But she, yeah, she got, to. yeah, well, I'll just jump into this. So okay. She got saved. And uh, then there, there began to be some spiritual activity in her home. So her husband was okay with, he actually was part of a, a very minority sect of Islam um, that his family had been a part of. And um, they were wiped out. So some of the sects actually by the Sunnis were uh, killed. And he was a survivor of this sect. But it was like his great-grandfather was a leader of it. And like his great-grandfather and his grandfather were, were killed. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so he, he was kind of a survivor of this like really minority sect of, uh, of Islam. And so but he just kind of became a deist. When his wife became a Christian, his idea was just like, yeah, that's I'm OK if, if you want to be a Christian, because he just didn't have a lot of respect for Islam anyways. And so this all comes down. She gets saved. And then uh, in their home, um, their, their their baby daughter, she's about nine months old, uh, was getting waking up in the night, kind of like kind of like, I don't know, night terrors or something like that. And then as they were like kind of consoling the daughter, she was like seeing things kind of like flying around in the room and was scared of it. And, and it spooked them. Right. So then um, uh, she, she was my wife was discipling her. And so she told this story. She says, oh, yeah, this is, um, you know, now that, you know, you've been a Christian and, and uh, there, these things probably are coming to, you know, just kind of bother you and distract you. I, I'd be happy to come over to your house and, and pray with you. She's like, oh, OK, so that'd be good. And, and so she's like, I just want you to know, like my husband's really kind of. You know, he's, he's, he's really nervous about this whole situation. Um, he believes in spiritual things, but he doesn't really want them to, like, interrupt our family life. So she's like, well, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to walk around the house. And uh, you don't need to close your eyes. We don't need to, like, you know, do anything, you know, like, crazy. We're just going to ask, hey, is there anything in this room that's not of God? And we're just going to listen to the Lord. And, um, so she's like, yeah, this, you know, this sounds normal. We can do this. And so, um, they're moving room to room, room to room, and, and they get into, uh, the, the baby's room. And, uh, Lord, is there anything that's not of you? And, uh, they both have like this kind of like cool chill, like come over their bodies. And, uh, Adil's like, I feel there's something in this room. And, and, and my wife is just like, yeah, um, yeah, it, it's in here. And then when she goes to respond, she's, you know, she just, she just prays and kind of like says in the name of Jesus, you're not welcome here. You know, leave this room. 
And the spirit uh, hits my wife's friend and like kind of throws her against the wall and uh, leaves the room. And then uh, my wife, you know, kind of consoles her. Are you okay? She's like, yeah. And she's shaking. And she's like, hey, this is just fear. Um, mm. And you know that God loves you. You're not alone. Like, mm. it, it's, it, it's going to be okay. Mm. So they, they leave and, and uh, they go to the living room. And she, Amy says, hey, do you know um, if there's anything that's unclean that's remaining in this house from yourself? And, and it's, the, the lady says, I can see it. It's over there by the door. And so my wife says, um, well, this is your home. And, you know, I'm not doing anything other than just commanding it to leave in the name of Jesus. I want you to go over there and kick it out. And uh, so she's frightened. Um, and like a child, you know, she has this like just humble reaction to be obedient to like, you know, the woman yeah. who's discipling yeah. her. Yeah. She walks over like and just in all of her innocence, wanting more than anything for her house to be cleansed of this evil spirit. And she said to kick it out, right? And so she makes this kicking motion. She says, in Jesus' name, and she like kicks it out. <laughs> no way. The door, Come like, on. And so she like physically like kicked it out. And, uh, and then there was, uh, you know, the atmosphere changed and the, the presence of God was there and that peace. Uh, yes. Amy prayed over her and asked the Holy Spirit to fill her and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and when it was all said and done, uh, kind of the, the point of all of it, she looks over at my wife and she goes, Hey, you know, I, so I called you and I told you about like this experience that we had with our baby, you know, and she was seeing something and, and and, you know, I'm really thankful that you came right away, but did, did, did you know that this was going to happen? And my wife's like, yeah, yeah, I figured something like this would happen. She's, and she literally says, who are you? <laughs> and so then my wife just explains what, who our identity yeah. Christ is, you know, and, and, and these are the works like that we do. We expose yeah. the lies of the enemy mm-hmm. and we bring the light into that darkness. Wow. What an amazing story. Talk about spiritual warfare, right? Literally kicking the demon. That's amazing. And it just, I think about faith like a child, you know, and I can just imagine when you're in a culture of so many people are just lost and you're bringing the light, it really does require having this childlike faith. So, well, Dustin, I just thank you so much for being with us and sharing these stories are super encouraging to me and to the body. So thank you and uh, good luck on your travels. Right on, enjoyed it, bless you guys.